Welcome to Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You. I'm Kathy. And I'm Meredith. And we're experts on teens. Yes, that's really a thing. We've worked as college admission officers, prep school administrators, and have coached and mentored thousands of teens in our careers. When it comes to teens, we have seen it all. Teens can be wild and wonderful all at once, but they can also frustrate the hell out of you. The good news is that we speak teen. So join us every week as we drop knowledge and interview teens and other experts to help you gain valuable insight into your teenager's world. Because parenting is hard AF, but we've got your back. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode. Hi Kathy, good morning. Good morning Meredith, it's lovely to see you this, uh, you know, actually it's kind of a sunny morning. Kind of a sunny morning for us. I love it, which is perfect. It's perfect for, it's perfect weather to talk about our topic today, which often involves a lot of sun if you're from California. Um, So today we want to talk about summer. Kathy and I are elbows deep in talking with students right now about their summer plans and feeling lots of questions about, you know, why should I think about my summer in this way versus that way? And what should I do over the summer? And does it really matter? Can I just like... I get that a lot. Does it really matter? Yeah, I just like hang out with my friends and surf and, you know, relax. I've worked so hard during the year. So in this episode, we are going to answer all of those questions that if you're a parent at home, you might be getting nagged about from your children. And I think we should start, Kathy, with the biggest question, which is, you know, why summers are important. Like, why is it important for students to think about how to spend their summer and to approach that process in a thoughtful way. So why don't you start, Kathy, you know, when you are talking to students and they ask you, okay, Kathy, like what, what should I do in the summer? I'm really tired. I don't want to really do much. What do you say to them? I say, Yes, you should totally get a break over summer, right? You should absolutely find ways to relax, take a break from school and academics if that's what you're needing. And I think most kids do need that. And we know that just yeah. all the research tells us that's very good for you to just have unstructured fun time over the summer. That is absolutely important. And I do think like, I remember I spent my summers, like literally I spent one summer watching Days of Our Lives. <laughs> that's all I did. I just... <laughs> Oh my God. That's all I did. I just, I, I watched soap operas one summer and I did a lot of that over the summer and it just didn't matter. Right. It was like a very different landscape very different. when you and I yeah. were applying to college. Yeah. Yeah. And nowadays there's just like, oh my God. I mean, summer programs are cottage industry. You know, it's like, we never, it never occurred. Like maybe you went to cottage. camp. Like if I'd you're, say that's booming business. Cottage, I, yeah. It's not a cottage yeah. industry. I lied. <laughs> it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a money-making venture. And so For sure. it's a little bit tricky because you'll get a lot of marketing and I'm sure you are getting a lot of marketing right now from different companies who are like, we are so excited to offer you this very special opportunity that only very few kids get, but like everybody's <laughs> right. getting it. And every kid in your household is getting it, right? If you have siblings in high school, like everybody's getting this very special offer. They're all national leaders of something. <laughs> yes, national leaders of something. This is a good place to just be like, "Mm, red flag. If you have to pay a lot of money to be part of a really prestigious program, then it's probably just marketing. Yeah. And most of the time it is like most prestigious programs, you actually have to seek out and apply and you have to get several letters of recommendation. You have to interview, like there's a strenuous process, rigorous process associated with it. But back to your question, Meredith, I think summers are important for a lot of different reasons. And my conversation with kids 
change based on what grade they're in. Mm -hmm. So like for my younger kids, right. And I'm sure this is true for you too. Like when you're talking about ninth graders, you're kind of like, listen, you know, I want you to start exploring your interests. Like you love music. Like, is there something that you could do that's music related? Like there's this great music camp up North called up here in the Bay area. It's called Casadero music camp. And I'm like, why don't you go to Casadero for a few weeks? Like go play your instrument and hang out with other music nerds. That might be fun. Right. Yeah. Or if I have like a really super introverted kid who has some social anxiety and is like worried about making friends. And I'm like, well, what about just like sleepaway camp could be good for you. You know, like Mm -hmm, I think, mm -hmm. you know, it's different for every kid, right? Like what they're trying to accomplish over the, or, or where we're trying to get them to stretch or push changes from kid to kid. Yeah. I mean, I would say it is variable, but the common denominator is around authentic personal growth. So when we're talking with students about what to do in the summer, depending on the grade they're in, depending on their interests, depending on sort of other skills we're trying to help enhance, what we're really trying to do is ask students to be thoughtful and reflective on how they can challenge themselves. Um, we want students to grow their resilience muscles, right? At Village, when we coach at Village, that's what we're always doing with students is we're always working on resilience. And one of the ways you build resilience, you build self-confidence, and you just like learn more about yourself is to try new things or deepen an area of interest in a really meaningful way. So often when we're talking to students about the summer, that's the advice we're, we're giving is get out of your comfort zone challenge yourself. Don't challenge yourself so much that it's scary and paralyzing, but you know, to use a, an ed term, get in your proximal zone of development, do something that's a little bit scary, but not so scary that it's, you know, undoes you. Um, and think about ways to deepen an interest you already have or explore something brand new or just try something really different. And I think to Kathy's point or when she started talking, rest does matter. You know, I don't, I'm not a big fan personally, and this is a bias on my part. Maybe I'm not a big fan of when your summer looks exactly the way the school year looks. It's just like a whole bunch of more school. I I just don't know that that is good for adolescents in their brains and like, frankly, their bodies, like they need to get outside. They need to photosynthesize from time to time. They, they need to actually be engaged in other kinds of pursuits that are not purely academic because it's going to test them in different ways and help them flex different muscles. So I would say those are some basic guidelines, right? That we give. Yeah. And can I tell you something that totally bums me out about summer? Sometimes when I talk to certain families or I meet certain kids families, it bums me out when I hear kids are taking a bunch of classes over the summer so that they can get into the higher level AP class so that they can look really good for college. Like that really bums me out. Does it bum you out too? Yeah. It's <laughs> what a depressing. Yeah. I, so I used to work at a school that this happened a lot. The students would, um, come in if they didn't test into geometry yep. their freshman year, yep. they would take this summer geometry course so that their sophomore year, they could be in a more advanced math class this summer. Ge- and I, I had an office that was in the quad. So I could see all of the students coming out of their summer classes. And these little, these sad little children, they would come out of a, wait for it, that <laughs> they would come out of a six hour geometry class Monday through Friday. And maybe on Fridays, it would be like four and a half or five hours looking so bedraggled, so worn down, not really honestly having like a super meaningful experience. Um, 
in some ways, I think, because it's just a lot of content really fast. I'm not sure that's a really great way for like 14 and 15 year olds to learn. And I thought to myself, like, but I have to be in, you know, yeah, pre-calc next year. <laughs> Let me be the, you know, I love playing devil's advocate, but Meredith, I mean, doesn't, if my kid wants to do Stanford, they, he has to be an AP Calc BC or actually even maybe beyond AP Calc BC would be amazing. Like multivariable calculus. He needs to be digging multivariable in, you know, like in an applied math as a 15 year old. Right. So how do I, you know, how do I get my kid competitive for Stanford if they don't level up in every single class that they can over the summer? Oh, Lord have mercy. That question. Um, (laughs) Sorry. I'm putting you on the spot. I love that question. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's fine. It's just, no, that's a very real question we would get. Well, first I would say, does a child even want to go to Stanford? They're 14 years old or 15 years old. How could you possibly know at that stage of life what will be the appropriate fit for that student and at what cost? Oh, we don't care. Meredith, we don't care about fit. We are just wanting to get into the most selective college we can possibly. We just want to go to Stanford. Well, yeah. in my experience, when we try to shoehorn students into what we think the most selective colleges want in terms of like curricular load or certain kinds of activities. Often that backfires. Often those students rebel at some point or they, they find that abrasive and act out in ways that we would not always like. They often don't know what the heck they're doing when they're actually applying. They sound like they don't know why they like the college. They sound like they don't know why they took the class. You know, if I'm in an interview, this happened to me all the time when I worked in admission, I'd be in an interview with a kid and I'd say, Oh, I noticed you like took this class in the summer. Tell me about it. Why? Blank stare. You know, that's not compelling. That's not actually going to make a student. It's mythology to believe that those kinds of boxes are actually like, if you check these boxes and these orders, that's actually how admissions works. It's it's a much more subjective and holistic process than that, even at the the most highly selective schools. So that would be my, one of my many answers. And then I'd subject them to probably another 45 minutes of my lecturing <laughs> on, on having help, on, on having happy, healthy kids. Um, but what's more compelling is like, we don't want people to be unidimensional and we don't want young people in such a like important stage of development to be one note. So from a college standpoint, they're going to end up reading one note. They're going to end up reading unidimensional. From a human standpoint, they're not going to know who they are. They're not going to have the opportunity to like explore all of the wonderful facets of their identity and discover areas of interest and deepen those areas of interest because they're stuck in a six-hour like AP stats class. What? <laughs> Gross. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I know. I, I and I preach, sister. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You're trying to get me fired up, Kathy. <laughs> You know, I think it's an important question to ask because I, we get these types of questions from parents all the time and like, do summers really matter? So then there's parents while like on the other side of the spectrum, like does summer even matter? And like, can't they just, we can't go and make like three vacations and that'll be fine. Right. And I'm like, well, (laughs) that's a good point. That's not exactly where you want to go. Right. You know, that's not exactly where you want to go. Like family vacation is great. I think you should make time for family vacation. And the reality back to the college piece is that, you know, summers do kind of matter, right? It's not, it's not irrelevant when it comes to looking at a student's overall profile, when what they're, the story that they're bringing to colleges. And a lot of times when I'm talking to kids about college, especially older kids who are 
in their junior year, and this is their last summer before applying to college, I always ask them, like, what is the story that you want to tell about yourself? What are the things that actually really matter to you? Because as you know, you know, kids are, their resumes are kind of crazy these days. Those resumes are on steroids. I'm like, wow, y'all do know a lot. Like, do you have time for it? Like, it's crazy to me, some of the resumes that I see. I'm doing too many things. Doing too much, frankly. Doing too much. Right. And I think there's this belief, like, more is better. And I don't think that's actually true. It's it's good to early on. And I think summers can help you figure this out, right? Like, what do I really enjoy spending my time doing? Where do I find myself most engaged? I ask kids this all the time. Like, where do you find yourself like losing track of time because you're enjoying the thing that you're doing and it's challenging enough to keep your attention. Yeah. Right. And some kids, for some kids that is math, right? Like I have a kid who freaking loves math (laughs) and I'm like, awesome. That's great. You know, and for other kids, that's art. And for other kids, that's um, working with other students with, dis- you know, working with students with um, disabilities, you know, uh, for other kids is working with animals, like whatever it is, there, there is something, right? And I think the tension that I hear a lot of times from parents is like, well, that's not important enough. Shouldn't we get him an internship at, um... <laughs> shouldn't we get him an internship <laughs> Oh gosh. <laughs> Shouldn't we use all right, of our right. connections to get right. this child an internship, which is, which they don't want, will not enjoy, will not participate in and right. didn't have to work to get. Exactly. And I'm always like, I, I am torn on some of this stuff because I do think for some kids who are like really just not going to do anything on their own, <laughs> it's like, well, I guess something is better than just, yeah, being at home watching days of our lives, right? Like that's better, but there's something better than that, right? That involves your child's participation and uh, choice. And that's why we coach because parents actually have a hard time like pulling that out of their kids. And like as coaches, we have more luck sometimes getting those conversations going and having them be more thoughtful about how they want to spend their summer. Well, I think most parents, one, they don't have a frame of reference because when they were at that age, summers didn't mean the same things for the college process. So there's that not necessarily aware of all of the kinds of options or the sort of approach to take, which often leaves you susceptible to all kinds of like, well, I heard that this program, or I heard that if I go to, you know, if I do this program at Brown, that it quote unquote looks good. You know, a lot of that kind of rhetoric can be swirling around, um, which is all very understandable. And I think one of the, one of the benefits of having a coach is you, you have someone who's an, an expert in this field sort of to bounce those things off and say, I heard this from my neighbor. They've got two kids at this prestigious college. So that must be true. Is that true? And we can say in most cases, no, that's not. Yeah. Can, can we bust a myth right here? Please. Real quickly. That just reminded me of another one that comes up a lot. Yeah. Okay. So my daughter, really her first choice school is Johns Hopkins. So we're going to send her to Johns Hopkins pre-college to give her an edge in the admissions like when she applies to college next year. Is that true? Uh, big fat. No, big fat. Not true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not true. We're not true. Pre-college not true, programs. Yeah. Not, I just want to put, I'm so like pre-college programs. I don't want to knock pre-college programs entirely because mm-hmm. I think there is a place mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. They can provide great insight for a kid who's, who's interested in broadcast journalism and wants to know what it's like to study broadcast journalism in college. But the idea that, getting into the pre the college, the pre-college program is going to set you up for admissions. When you actually apply to the college, that is 
not true. That's, that's not going to happen. Meredith and I both worked on the college side. These programs are huge money makers for colleges. Like they bring in so much money. And so that's the college's primary interest. So I just, you know, just like a reminder that colleges are businesses. Like you said, I think they do serve a place, especially I really like them sometimes for younger students because it allows them to sort of be a little independent for a week or two and live on their own for the first time and kind of negotiate things like having a roommate. You know, there are actual practical benefits and skills that they'll need to, that they they have a chance to sort of practice some of those skills that they'll need once they go to college. But from an admission standpoint, from a competitive standpoint, it's not, it's not a value add necessarily. Um, the other thing I would say is, you know, when Kathy and I worked in admission and we were evaluating applications, what we were fundamentally trying to assess is certainly, you know, was the student intellectually and academically prepared to handle the rigor of our institution, but that in of itself wasn't enough. Um, we also wanted to ensure that students were going to be engaged citizens, you know, that they were going to be involved, that they weren't just going to sort of take from the school and give nothing back. And so I think when you're thinking about the summer, you know, the, the questions I ask students are what would challenge you? What would light you up? What would get you in that flow state that Kathy referenced earlier? But also what, what demonstrates, you know, engagement, creativity, leadership, maybe if you're a little bit older. Initiative. Yeah. So initiative for, so for example, to be clear, I would much rather see a student, you know, go get a job. I'm a big fan of jobs and have to experience what it's like to like work in retail or work in a service industry where not everything is handed for you. Not everything is set up for you. Like these college programs, they're great, especially like I said, for younger kids, but everything from your meals to your supplies to your, like everything is completely planned for students. And that's challenging for younger kids. But I would say by the time you're 17 or 18, we could do better. You know, so what's going to really push you? So for example, I'm working with a student right now who's super into data analytics and sports, and he's done some amazing work. Like he has his own blog that he's maintaining and Last summer, and this was appropriate, he's a junior, so last summer going into his junior year, he took a a sports analytics program at a university. And that was really great because it helped him answer the question, do I really like this thing that I think I like? And the answer is yes, a resounding yes. He, He left that program feeling even more passionate about this subject, which is good for him to know. Um, and he got some skills. He like boned up his skills, just technical skills that he needs this summer. We're talking about, okay, how do you apply what you've learned and been working on in a creative and new way to continue to pursue sports analytics, but not just like you did last year where you go take this program and everything's sort of laid out for you. So he's coming up with all kinds of creative things. And for example, he's working with his athletic department at his high school to help them I think the basketball team to help them analyze their stats. So he's working with the coach of the basketball team to do a bunch of like data analytics. I don't have the vocabulary to actually describe what he's doing because I don't know anything about data analytics. Um, (laughs) So in other words, he's, he's applying what he's learning. That was not a pre, that was not a position that existed in the school before he created it. He took the initiative to talk to the coach because it's something he's really passionate about. Now that demonstrates all kinds of traits that Kathy and I would be, you know, all excited about in an application, initiative, drive, passion, thoughtfulness, 
right? Persistence. You know, he's gotten a lot of no's along the way, creativity. So that's kind of what, you know, to think about, to anchor it less in the what you're doing and more in the, like, what are the traits that that shows and and cultivates? Right. It brings up a really good question around, like, when you think about summer, right? I think parents are wondering, and not just parents, but teenagers are wondering, like, am I trying to get into this, like, really prestigious research, um, cohort for the summer? Is that going to, you know, be the right thing for me? Is that going to make my resume more impressive when I apply to college? How do I put, like, I just got this question from a kid who's really into programming. Like, how do I put an independent project on my, like, how do I talk about that in my college resume? Like, shouldn't I attend a program? And I'm like, you know what? There are many ways to talk about the things that you do on your college application that isn't just listing it on your resume. The length of your resume is actually not that important, right? Like the depth that you're going into, like if you choose just a couple of things and you go deep on those things, that's totally fantastic and and appropriate. And again, every kid is different. I'm not saying like right now you have a kid who does a lot of stuff and you're like, you, you must pick two things and that's it. You have to go deep. Like every kid is different and what they're interested in looks different and how they show up right in those things looks really different. And that's why it's hard to answer the, the prestige formal informal summer, you know, planning piece. Well, I hear you. I think the phrase that I often use is inch wide, mile deep. I would much rather read, you know, an application from a kid who has two, three activities, but they've pursued them really intensely, really deeply with sort of, um, evolving levels of investment and leadership over high school than someone who's, you know, got 20 activities and they're like very involved. Their involvement is at a very sort of shallow or surface level. Kathy, let me ask you a question. Cause I, I think this one comes up a lot. You know, what do you do with the student? How do you approach, like, let's say you're a parent and you're agreeing with everything that you're hearing us say, but your kid is just like, not here for it. They're like, uh-uh, mom, dad, I'm going to be like at the skate park every single day this summer. Like I was every single day last summer. I don't know why you all think you can tell me to do differently. Just someone who's like putting up like a student who's putting up a lot of resistance to this kind of information. You know, how do you work? What advice would you give those parents? Ooh, girl, you know, we are going to do a whole episode around setting boundaries <laughs> for teenagers. We just talked about this, right? It, because it, 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 it crosses so many thresholds, right? It's like, Uh, we get, we hear this all the time from parents that we work with, like, how do I get him to do X and how do I get her to do Y? And we can't, you know, she won't do it if we, if we don't force it on her. And I believe in choice. I believe in helping students feel like they have agency over their lives and that they, they can choose their path. Right. One of the things that I tell parents, and I'm sure Meredith, you do the same thing is that you can say like, you can choose what you want to do this summer, but like going to the state skate park every day for eight hours is actually not one of the options, right? You can earn time towards the state skate park, right? Like you can yeah. absolutely earn time towards yeah. working, going to the skate park. You can hear your options. Like you can also think of options, but here's some that I have. You can get a job. <laughs> you can look at, right. You can go to the summer camp, right? Yeah. You can do a program that you think you're interested in, or you can, you know, find, you know, figure out something that you want to do on your own. Yep. And back to the informal, formal piece. One of the best things that I heard in an interview when I was interviewing for admissions is I asked a kid, what did you do last summer? He's like, I went dumpster diving. 
And I was like, say what? (laughs) And he's like, yeah, I went dumpster diving. I was like, what do you mean? And this was like 20 years ago. It's very chic now to go dumpster diving. Like being a freegan is a whole thing now. But like, (laughs) this is pre, this predates that. And he was like, yeah, I, I, I just, my friends and I, like, we thought we could like find some good stuff that people were throwing away and maybe like clean it up or fix it and, and like resell it. And, and that was like how he spent his entire summer. I was like, that's so cool. I was like, how did you get that? He's like, I read an article about it in the newspaper and I got curious about it. And I was like, ah, curiosity. Love that. I had a kid who, one of my other favorite kids who talked to me about working at target and how much he loved working at target over the summer. Um, Another one of my favorite essays was about a girl who worked at Chuck E. Cheese for the summer. Like, you know, a lot of times the things that like stuck with me were not like, you know, Clark Scholar, like great Clark Scholar, awesome, amazing program, not knocking that at all. But like, you know, a lot of times the stories that really resonate and like stick with us are kids who just like took initiative to find something. So took initiative, right. So when you're having a conversation with your kids, you could be like, you can pick your own thing to do, but I expect you to, the expectation is that you will do it for this many hours in order to earn this many hours at the skate park. Okay. I'm about to say something that's a little, it's a little controversial maybe. But I think one of the things that we pride ourselves on this podcast is being kind of like not pulling punches. And so here's the other thing I'm going to say, because I, I actually just had this conversation with a student pretty recently. Uh, and it's a, it's a conversation about privilege. So this student and I were talking about summer. They're a great kid. And, you know, just by luck of the draw, they happen to exist in a pretty privileged space in a pretty privileged city. They go to a pretty fancy school. And we were talking about that. And I said, you know, and to her credit, she has awareness of this and she's sort of thoughtful about ways in which she wants to use that privilege in service of others, but also like recognizes that that has meant that sort of the path has been cleared for her to some degree in a way that like, maybe not for all students. And so I talked to her about that. I said, you know, when you're thinking about summer, I think it's important that you demonstrate independence and that you aren't relying on certain trappings of this privilege to sort of set you up. Because, you know, when I was in school, if I want to do something this summer, I was doing it. No, you know, there wasn't a connection being made for on my behalf. All of my creature comforts were not being attended to. And I would say that sometimes if, you know, if that somehow fits your family or environment, I think that's important to be conscious of and really try to think about, okay, how do I kind of like, especially as parents, like how do I sort of take my foot off the gas and really let my kid figure this out on their own? Because we're trying to grow some resilience and independence muscles. And I have noticed that sometimes my students who come from more privileged backgrounds they've had a lot of things sort of given to them and that matters. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not trying to like judge that as right or wrong. It's not, it's just, it is right. It just is mm-hmm. a part mm-hmm. of life. Context matters. And as a result, there's a certain grittiness sometimes that we, we sometimes feel like we need to kind of like focus on work on. Does that make sense? Kathy, are you resonating or do you think that's too biased on my part? Which it could be. No, I don't think, I don't think it's biased at all. And you know, Let's be real, and I'll just, you know, say it plainly. I think that kids who come from privileged backgrounds 
are at a disadvantage when they do privileged programs during the summer or privileged. Mm, that's well put. That's things that are perceived as privileged. They go do the right, like, $12,000 fancy yeah. something rather. Right. They go to, you know, they go to boarding school in Switzerland and do a summer program. They're like, I'm not impressed. <laughs> sorry, that's not getting you out of sight of your comfort zone, right? Like it's unfortunate because maybe for that kid actually it is really hard and I'm not really, and I'm just making, I have some biases that I'm placing upon this child and I'm not really understanding the whole context, but you know, so I don't want to just say like, if you're wealthy, don't put your kids in a programs that smack of privilege. I think that it's worthwhile having a thoughtful conversation like your college counselor at your school. They're going to be honest with you about that. And, you know, I would also say like, I even challenge my kids who get jobs who from like wealthier families who get jobs over the summer and they want to go work at like the, the local like frozen yogurt place. And I'm like, eh, maybe not that. <laughs> Cause I'm just kind of like, you're just going to be working with other teenagers from your high school. Like that's not that hard. Like, yeah, you'll, inter- you'll, you'll have to like be in customer service and that's a little bit different. Right. But I still kind of feel like it's too comfort zony. Like I really want my kids to grow over the summer and I want them to challenge themselves and try to do something that's hard. Right. And feels a little uncomfortable. I tell kids all the time, like if you feel like you kind of don't want to do it, yeah. it's probably good for you. Right. Yeah. It's probably a good thing. I'll give a great example of this. I had a student many years ago who fits this bill. Come, you know, I was working at a very fancy private school. He came from sort of a pretty privileged background, super, super great family, great kid. And he developed this interest in like metalworking out of nowhere. I'm not sure why. He was just a really curious guy. And there's not like, a lot of opportunity, formal opportunity. There's not like the six week metal working program at, you know, Columbia that he could go do. Um, so we were kind of exploring, okay, well, what does this look like? And he just wanted to learn more about welding and different things like that. And he knew absolutely nothing about it. And so we literally spent some time in my office looking up different metal shops, like craft, like manufacturing shops in our fabricating shops in our area And he made like a little list and he called them, which by the way, teenagers picking up the phone and actually calling, make your kids do that, please. They're so (laughs) petrified of actually talking on the phone. Like, please make them call someone. Next time I have like a dentist appointment, make them call. Um, So this is what he did. He literally called a bunch of places. Mostly were given no's like straight off the bat. Like nobody would even listen to him. He actually physically went to a bunch of places because he was getting a lot of no's over the phone. So he thought, well, maybe if I like walk into these places and like, they can see me and like, we can have a little bit more of a conversation. They'll say yes. So then he started going physically to all of these places asking like, Hey, this is my deal. Like, this is what I'm trying to learn. And, you know, very quickly, you know, and I would ask him like, how's it going? And within about two days, he was like, you know what? I didn't realize what I didn't appreciate is like, I kept getting bummed out that I was getting rejected so much. But then I realized why that, you know, for these guys, like they don't have time to train a kid, like time is money. Like they are making money and this is their livelihood. And so taking anything that slows that production down is going to hurt their bottom line. And he didn't understand that, but what an important lesson he learned just in those like few days of getting a bunch of rejections. And eventually he found a place that said yes. And he spent the first month of like his two and a half months there in the summer, sorting screws, literally sorting screws. (laughs) And then eventually, and mostly the guys were just testing him, I think. And eventually he started like being involved more actively in projects and learning actual technical skills. 
that by the end of the summer, he was welding. He was doing all kinds of cool stuff. All of that happened on his own. And he had to put up with a lot of rejection and he had to keep persisting. He took total initiative and he had the best time. And his confidence at the end of that was like insane. He was like, it just gave him such a sense of like, I can figure it out. I can do it. And he made me a cool metal thing that I still have. <laughs> and that's so cool. And, I, it get, and the other thing is like with summer and this is the last thing I'll say, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. But you know, the great thing about having an awesome summer experience like that too, is that it gives your kids stories to talk about when they're applying to college. Right. It's like, those are the things that are, yeah, those yeah. are the things that they'll, that'll stick with them. Right. A summer program that you signed them up for that they didn't really want to go to, like, they're just not going to have much to say about it. And that's just because it's, it didn't resonate for them. Right. So like finding the right thing, like really spending the time to be thoughtful about this, it's, it's important and use your resources. If you can't have the conversation, you know, work with your school's college counselor. If your son or daughter has a mentor or somebody that they're working with, you know, let other people help kind of engage them in that conversation as well. So we're going to end with, uh, we interviewed a few of our kids because we wanted, you know, this is shit your teenagers won't tell you. So we wanted to make sure that we included some student voices at the end of our episode. And we interviewed a few of our kids and asked them what was the most meaningful summer experience that they had. So you could just hear it from mouth of, the mouth of babes. And uh, I think they've got some cool stuff to share with you. Um, well, thanks everybody for listening to this episode about summer. I hope it, it, it got you excited about your summer. How are you going to spend your summer, parents, um, while your kids are off doing these really cool things? And enjoy these clips from our students. We think they have lots of wisdom to share. My favorite summer activity has been doing a Knowles course, which is the National Outdoor Leadership School. And I did the summer after my freshman year of high school, a 30-day backpacking trip in the Bighorn Mountain Range in Wyoming. And it was my favorite summer activity because spending 30 days fully disconnected and unplugged from everyone in the mountains with 10 other students that I didn't know and were similar ages but from completely different backgrounds was really just a great way to get outside of my head and get a new perspective on just what other kids of my age were going through and also just give myself some time to really think about my year and high school and what I wanted and everything and really be able to feel independent even at the such a young age of only being 14. And so I just really recommend if there's any way for anyone listening to this to take a summer to themselves where they really do something they're passionate about. Personally, I'm very passionate about the outdoors and environmentalism and really just getting to do that for 30 days on my own, really like without any friends that I knew or family members was a great experience. And I just really recommend uh, an opportunity like that. My favorite summer activity has been my internship at First Root. Beyond simply being able to hone my programming skills, I got valuable and rewarding experience in a real work environment. The daily stand-ups at 7.30 a.m. every day taught me discipline and communication, which are important lessons that will help me succeed. In addition, First Root's mission of teaching financial literacy to high school students resonated with me. As a high school student, I feel that the education system I was put through does not readily prepare me with certain financial management skills. 
Overall, this experience was the best combination of fun and enriching and offered a glimpse of what my dream career looks like. In high school, I really tried to make use of every summer in terms of exploring my varied interests to really just find what I was most passionate about. So I thought the best way to do this was through summer programs. And while the summer programs I partook in definitely did help me explore these interests and were really beneficial and rewarding, the most rewarding experience I had was when I created myself. So the summer before my junior year of high school, with the help of a friend, I fundraised a decent amount of money to be able to rent a gym space in a local underserved community in my area. And with this gym space, we began planning and ultimately hosted a free volleyball clinic for a week for underserved kids in that area. And during the school year when I was planning it, I was so stressed out. I thought it wasn't going to work out. I thought I should be doing another summer program like all of my friends. But once I finally got to the gym and saw my plan come to fruition and got to interact with these kids and really just got to make them happy for a week and explore a new passion, ended up learning a lot more about myself than I ever did in any summer program, which I think was the most rewarding experience because I had so many doubts going into this process, thinking that it wasn't actually going to pan out the way I thought it would. But when it did, I learned I was capable of so much more than I thought I was, which I think really helped propel me into the school year and in college in general. Apart from doing fun things with my friends, one of my favorite activities that I've done over the summer in high school is working at a farm. The summer before my senior year, Kathy pushed me to go a little bit out of my comfort zone and explore one of my passions, which is food, through a different lens. And I was able to find an urban farm to work at where I helped feed the animals and collect eggs. And I learned about sustainable farming and different agricultural like planting methods and seasonal growing and it was a really good experience for me because it allowed me to explore something that I'm passionate about in a new way and gain a new experience and it was also just really fun and I guess kind of a unique thing that I never would have thought to do otherwise. Thanks for listening to another episode of Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You. If you like what you're hearing and you have friends with teenagers, please share it with one of them. You can check out this episode and others on our website, wespeakteen.com. And we want to know what you want to know. So if you have questions or hot topics that you want us to cover, email us at hello at wespeakteen.com.